My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 31 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. Hey everyone, how's the summer going? We hope you are racing and training well. And I've got a special chat coming up with Rene Borg about how to stay sharp and fresh during the summer racing season. And I'm also just back from the Pyrenees where I was working at the first European UTMB race outside of Chamonix, a great few days. And I've got an interview coming up with Kathleen and Michelle Poletti, founders of UTMB Mont Blanc, about what they thought of this new UTMB race, as well as some tips for getting ready for Chamonix at the end of August. Everyone, get your running gear on, let's go. Good to have you back on board everybody and I hope you're enjoying a nice run somewhere on the trails or roads of Ireland or if not somewhere else nice in the world as you're listening in. I've also got a very good chat this week guys with the race director of the Valderan UTMB itself in the Pyrenees, Xavi Pocino. It's in Spanish so do bear with me for the minute or two that he speaks Spanish and then I'll get the translation straight in. But before we hear about Valderan UTMB, a big thank you as always to our Patreons who have been supporting us all year round and a big thank Thank you to Barry Lennon, who upped his subscription last week. Barry, I know, is a road man traditionally from Rohini, from Rohini Shamrocks. So we look forward to seeing Barry maybe out in the trails one day and put all that good advice that he's been getting from Rene to good use over the last year or so. And if anyone else would like to support the show, please do pop over to Patreon and search for Trail Running Ireland podcast. And you can make a monthly contribution to help keep us going all year round from three euros to six euros a month. And thanks a million guys if you do get a chance to do so. Okay, well, let's start off with the show with our interviews at the finish line of Valderam by UTMB in a beautiful town called Vieira. You'll hear in the background the finish line bell being rung by everybody that got to cross the finish line. It created some really beautiful moments. Uh, one guy proposed to his girlfriend at the finish line and everybody that got to finish the three distances, 55 kilometers, um, just over 100 kilometers and then the big one 100 miler they all got to ring the bell but of course one poor guy saw the bell ran up to it went to give it a header and split his head open and blood everywhere so apart from that everybody got to ring the bell okay um, it was a great couple of days guys really great atmosphere as you'll hear and it was very interesting to chat to Catherine and Michelle Poletti now just in case you're not too sure what the UTMB is it's like the Olympic Games of trail running, the, the Tour de France of trail running, if you like, where the very best trail runners from all over the world, all the big brands go there every August. There's about 10,000 runners, very hard to get into, as we know, we've spoken about before on the show, and there's about maybe 20, 25 spectators there as well. There's more and more Irish going over every year, which is great to see. We're looking forward to seeing some of the guys and the girls do well this summer in about what just over five weeks' time. So it was nice to get to interview the people behind UTMB, Catherine and Michelle Pellet. And here with me this morning, we have some very special guests. They have been here living the Valderland UTMB experience with us. The co-founders, the visionaries behind UTMB, Kathleen Poletti and Michelle Poletti. An absolute privilege to have you here, guys, with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Kathleen, 
you've been here observing, both from an organizational point of view, but also uh, as a fan of trail running. How have the last few days here in Valderan been for you? The last few days was really amazing for me because uh, there is all the life in the, in the village and uh, there is uh, all the runners and uh, it's not only a race, it is a, a place where we are able to meet everybody, some uh, very high level athletes, but also all the runners with their family. And uh, I think uh, I found here the spirit of UTMB and uh, that makes me really happy. There is a lot of things uh, because all the village is in the same life than the race. And that's one of the great things about UTMB that family and friends are so important for you. Your family and friends work with you in Chamonix. When we've traveled to Argentina, Oman, all over the world, your family and friends come with you and help with the organization of the race. Yes, because the interest with uh, trail running is that you are able to put in the same race the high-level athletes who come to make a performance yeah. and uh, all the person who have just a goal in their life. They do that for many reasons, but only, not only the reason to run. They run because for a cause and a lot of things we organize are for some cause who are higher than yourself, maybe for a disease, maybe yeah. for a lot of things. And this is really important in the spirit of trail running. And it is the possibility to put front the same start line all these person together, they share that all together. Maybe uh, it's like in the life. If you have a goal in the life, you organize it. And uh, when you finish, it's a victory. Well, we can hear the atmosphere here this morning, Katina. It's absolutely fantastic. There's families, there's friends all on the streets of Yeda. And as we mentioned, we've been all over the world trail running with UTMB. But what a wonderful experience to have a UTMB race in Europe. A sister event of you like for Chamonix. And will we have any more UTMB races in Europe? Of course, uh, it is a very good thing to see the family increasing because I think it's a big family. Yeah. And uh, in Europe is uh, the continent very little continent, tiny yeah. continent with a lot of, of country, but so many runners, the big majority of runners stay in Europe. Yeah. And when we decided to, to create a UTMB World Series event, we want a family of race who are able to be a satisfaction for all the runners, not to take care where they are because yeah. they need to be able to find a race just near where they are yeah. to run and uh, maybe to to choose a race to travel with a family to discover not only the distance not only the country but also the culture and the person because trail running today 
is not only the sport, it's not only the legs, yeah. it's also the heart and the brain and it is the possibility to, to find and to discover other person. And if you can get that UTMB experience close to home, wouldn't that be fantastic as well? So hopefully we will see some more UTMB events in Europe. I know in Spain, in Spain, they have such love for trail running as well. So I'm sure we'll see maybe one or two more trail running races in Spain, for example. Absolutely, yeah. of course. Yeah. One is not enough. Well, somebody who has raced a UTMB race in Spain was Michelle yesterday. Michelle, you ran the PDA, 55 kilometers, Michelle. And can we just begin by asking, where does the energy, where does the motivation come from to still be running ultra events above 60 years of age? So, you are saying that I am older? Far from it, <laughs> but you, you're still going, you're, you're like an energizer buddy. <laughs> go, go, go. Yes, but you know, this weekend here in Viela is a kind, for everyone, for me, but uh, for everyone is a kind of rebirth after this yeah. long year of uh, uh, doing nothing uh, uh, with the pandemic. And so, yes, it was uh, just incredible. Yes, it's the, uh, for, for myself, uh, running, uh, I am alive if I run. Yeah. And I am not alive if I don't run. Well, I know you said to me at before the start, I said, how are you feeling before the race? And you said, Owen, you know, I don't care how I feel because I'm going to have a wonderful day with nature. And that's what it was. And with runners from all over the world, yesterday we had about 50% of the field from Spain, 25% from France, but 25% from all over the world. So it must have been a great day on the trails yesterday. Absolutely. Um, you know, trail running is a, is, a, uh, is a mixed between running and uh, enjoying the nature. And to see uh, yesterday, we, we, we were in an amazing place with lakes. Uh, you climb in the mountains and you discover a lake and you climb a little bit more and second lake and the third one. And at the end of the tour, you have, you have seen 20, 30 lakes in the mountain. In a, in a, it, it was just, I, I think I've, I've never seen such an amazing place. And to, to be there with all, your, uh, all, all the other runners and to enjoy, well, yeah, there is nothing better in the world. And how was the recovery yesterday after the race? Did you get to enjoy some of the local food, some of the local wine and beer maybe? No, today. Because <laughs> right after the race, I was a little bit tired. Sure. Not, not enough trained. Yeah. But uh, yes, uh, but today I will enjoy all of this. Absolutely. And Michelle, we're about two months away from the big one in UTMB Mont Blanc. For the people who are tuning in at home, what advice can you give them for their preparations in the last two months? You know those trails so, so well. Yeah, so it's quite simple. If we are speaking about UTMB, about UTMB Mont Blanc in Chamonix at the end of August, you need to train hard now in July. Try not to train too much, but really the, uh, July is the month where, when you have to train the most. And after that, in August, you calm down okay. and uh, 10 days, two weeks before the race, 
just uh, jogging 20 minutes yeah. twice or third in, in the week and okay. that's all. Okay, Michel, we look forward to seeing you in Chamonix. Well done on a great race yesterday in the PDA, 55 kilometers. Kathleen, thank you very much as well. We look forward to seeing you in two months time. And everybody, what an absolute privilege to have. Kathleen Poletti and Michelle Poletti. And we'll see you in UTMB Mont Blanc in Chamonix in just under two months time. And now we have the founder, the visionary behind Valderan by UTMB, Xavi Pocino. Xavi, you're very, very welcome to the show. Xavi, we were speaking earlier on and I asked you, um, were you going to be able to relax later on and watch the European Championship final between England and Italy? And he said to me, Owen, I don't even know who's playing. I've slept about 10 minutes over the last two days. So Xavi, what has it been like for you and your team, this wonderful experience here in your home village? Para nosotros, eh, para, para mi equipo, porque a veces salgo yo solo, como Xavi Pocino, pero realmente tenemos, tengo un gran equipo detrás que, que ha hecho esta carrera, que ha hecho esta experiencia. Para nosotros han sido quizá los cuatro días más importantes, más duros, pero también los más satisfactorios. Los que nos, eh, cada vez que, que suena la campana de finisher, yo tengo en el corazón... Me, me va a estallar, me va a estallar. Okay. What Xavi was saying there that, yes, he sometimes is the face of the race, the race director, but it's not just Xavi, it's him, it's his team, it's his 600 volunteers who we've seen working all weekend, that every time he hears the bell here at the finish line behind us sound, his heart fills with joy and with emotion. Just like we have there now, a runner crossing the finish line, another runner in our VDA, in our 100-mile race, 163 kilometers, just crossing the finish line. Xavi, if there's been maybe one moment, and I know it's so hard to choose one moment, but maybe one moment over the last few days that will stay with you over the next 12 months until we are back again. Tengo dos momentos. Cuando salió la primera carrera, fue como un empezar, como un, eh, un sacar la presión a, a, a toda la, a la olla ¿no? eh, que había de golpe. ¿no? Y después, cuando llegaron los primeros, y por ejemplo eh, con Jordi Gamito, que es gran amigo mío, pues para mí fue uno otro de los grandes momentos. Ok, what Xavi was saying there was that maybe one moment that was stay with him was the start of the very first race. After so much time waiting, preparing, the start of the first CDH was like the pressure being relieved for everybody. He also spoke about his good friend, Jordi Gamito, a local runner here in Spain, one of Spain's best runners, who had a magnificent result. He was third place. So to see Jordi cross the line was absolutely incredible. Um, Xavi, it's also been the first edition, and I'm sure the first edition has been hard for everybody. So maybe, is there anything that you would like to see improve maybe for future editions? Nosotros eh, como organización y sobre todo yo tengo una obsesión por el corredor popular y para mí es importante, mm, quiero pedir, si, al, si, si no hemos llegado en algún momento a, a, a satisfacer al corredor, si, no, si ha habido problemas, ha sido una primera edición, venimos de un año de pandemia que nos ha cambiado a todos, yo quiero pedir disculpas desde aquí 
y que nos lo transmitan, que nos digan, hey, tenéis que cambiar esto. Nosotros haremos todo lo posible para cambiar y aumentar que el corredor en las próximas ediciones se encuentre aún mejor que esta. What Xavi was saying there was that if there was any mistakes, if there was any errors, that do please get in touch with the organization, let them know, and they will only do, they will do all that they can to improve the race for next year. Because at the end of the day, for Xavi, the normal runner, the mid-pack runner, is the runner that's most important for him. And Xavi, finally, for anybody that's thinking of coming next year to this wonderful place here in the middle of the Pyrenees, in the heart of the Pyrenees, where 30% of the trails are over 2,000 meters high. Is there any message that you would like to say to everybody at home to come next year to join us? Mira, no voy a ser yo, porque puede parecer que yo quiera vender. Que recuperen estos días los vídeos del programa, que recuperen los vídeos de la gente, de los corredores. Seguro que conocen algún corredor que ha venido aquí y que le pregunten, porque tenemos las mejores montañas del Pirineo. Estoy tan convencido que la gente va a repetir. O sea, va a venir gente nueva, pero la gente va a repetir. What Xavi was saying there was that he's asking you at home to look at the videos, to look at the photographs of the last couple of days, to have a look for yourselves where you'll see what Xavi believes are the best mountains in the Pyrenees. And also, who better to ask than maybe your friends or clubmates who have been here this year and who can tell you all about the race. Xavi, thank you for the invite for myself to be here over the last four days. It's been an absolute privilege. And Xavi, thank you very much to you, your team, and we look forward to next year already. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it, everybody. The interviews with the people behind UTMB itself in Chamonix and Xavi there in UTMB Valderan. And I hope it came across that the two of them, you, you can tell that they really are great lovers of trail running. I mean, it's not easy. These big races, they're massive enterprises as well, massive businesses, big investments behind them too. But at the very, very core of it, all three there, Michelle and Kathleen, they love the mountains. They love trail running. You saw Michelle ran the 55-kilometer course himself. Now, at the same time, it wasn't without its difficulties, the race, the new race, Valderan. It emerged in a couple of days afterwards that the race was actually cancelled on the Wednesday before it got the um, before it started, the local health authorities in Catalonia cancelled the race on the Wednesday afternoon. So it was some frantic scrambling around by the organisers to get everything in place to get the green light in the end. It was very very tough. There was about a fifty percent dropout rate, I believe, in the big one in the hundred miler, and it wasn't just because people weren't making the cutoff points, just the difficulty of the race itself very very steep ascents the descents were very very tough as well so that might be something i think that they might look at next year just to make the race a little bit more runnable in the end 
So speaking of races, there's been lots of races, of course, going on back home as well. The Emirate calendar is fully up and running. So it's a good time to call in Rene Borg. And we're going to have a chat about staying sharp and fresh during the racing summer season. And before we go over to Rene, guys, let me just mention as well, I forgot it there. Thomas the Feuche. Thomas, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Thomas finished the 100 miler last week in Val d'Oran. He went through two days, two nights, and it was his birthday as well. So we even managed to give him a happy birthday as he crossed the um, finish line so Thomas I hope you're listening in and well done on getting through that incredibly tough tough race last week without further ado let's call in Rennie Borg to talk about staying race sharp over the summer Rene Borg from runningcoach.ie Rene great to have you with us again and ready hope you're keeping well yeah, I'm well on, so we are baking in the sweltering heat here, finally. I know, it's fantastic to see. And of course, the summer season means racing season, Rene, as well. And we've got a really interesting topic this week, and it's about staying sharp during race season. Yeah, so we yes, we know we like to keep our, our topics kind of relevant to what's going on. And the um, I know, for instance, my club WhatsApp group has been absolutely hopping for the last few weeks because people have started going to the Immer races, you know, and some of them even have gone for the first time and some of them have gone uh, for the first time in a long time, you know, if not the first time ever. And um, so we just thought it could be interesting to talk about racing season and what that means um, and how you should train at that time. Um, because the mistake most people make in racing season is actually that they keep training too hard, you know, and that's why there's an old saying that, you know, you shouldn't train hard and race hard at the same time because it's impossible to keep fresh and sharp then and to perform well. Um, but that's, you know, when you have a nice little sentence like that, it, it gives away the gist of what you're meant to be doing. But there's still a few steps to take it to implementation. Uh, so I hope we could give a few tips just on, on like how do you actually then structure those kinds of weeks and what are the different scenarios. Um, well, it's a great topic, Rene, because even just as we're speaking now, like I'm looking at our friends in IMRA on the IMRA website. And if you look at their calendar, you know, we were starved of racing for so long. But have a look at IMRA.ie, go to the events section. And there's literally just two races nearly every week for the next couple of weeks. It's fantastic to see. And I know even I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and he was saying, oh, listen, I think I might do a race every week. But so the first question really is, is it okay to do a race every week? And even with Imret, there's nearly two races every week um, if you're that way inclined. So what do you think? Is it healthy? Is it good to be racing every week over the summertime? Yeah, well, you can, <laughs> you can argue whether, whether it's healthy or not because it depends on your level of preparation and it depends how you approach the races. And, you know, if you approach every single one like the Olympics... Uh, and you are very poorly trained, you know, you just, then it's, it's probably not going to be healthy for you. Yeah. Um, if you're also then trying to, to do a lot of other running, then even worse. So you kind of need to answer that question in the context of what does the, what would an idea, what, what's, what's the textbook way of doing it? And then we can talk about reality after. Um, because I know the temptation, like when I started with Imra in my second season, I think I raced 45 or 47 times or something. And, um, there was a lot of two races per week. There was even, I think, one or two, three races in a week. Um, and obviously, you can't you, you can't do that for very long before you start to feel a bit stale. Um, and before you notice that 
when you are at the start line of the races, you're not feeling so fresh anymore. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, this happens even when you have good preparation. So just let's take textbook. The textbook example would be that you've done a nice base phase, maybe in the winter, maybe in the kind of the, the late, uh, sorry, the early spring, where you got in a lot of volume, you're well conditioned, you're well prepared. You did some specific training, you know, where you got in some speed work, so your body get used to that as well. You might even have done a few races as preparation, you know, where you weren't so fussed about the result, maybe you weren't giving it 100%. That would be textbook, right? Because it would mean you would arrive at the summer, where there's a ton of races, um, and you're very excited to perform well and you know show the world what you can do with all this training that you've accumulated. And you're in a good position because your body is now able to handle a lot of stress. And that means you will be able to race longer during the summer and more before you start to feel stale, you know, before the niggles creep up and before your performances begin to fall off. But some people listening to this, they won't have had this build-up. I, there will be some people who maybe they were just recently injured, but they really have the graph for running and they want to jump into the deep end and do some races to get excited about everything. And I understand that because in the beginning, you don't really necessarily do running because it's a serious thing. You know, you, you can go about it in a serious way, but you're not too serious about it. Like it's fun. It's a hobby and you want to enjoy it. And so if that's the mindset, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the coach that tells people, no, no, you can't race because the last six months weren't picture perfect. You just need to be a little bit more careful about how you manage your body um, in the races. And you, you'll have to, to notice the effect that each race has on you. You know, so if you, can yeah. really, if you really start feeling broken and beat up, uh, then you do need to say, well, there is a really nice race next week and it's very shiny, but I should take two weeks now just of easy running, just let the body settle down a bit. Yeah, it's great advice, Renny. And I suppose it's about balancing the, the social enjoyment of going to see your friends every Wednesday and every Saturday, with then producing a good performance as well. And maybe a key message is that you don't need to go to the well in every race, that some races you can go to and just treat them as a tempo run, a 40 minute, a 50 minute tempo run without going in to the danger zone into, you know, really high competitive pace where you're really, really pushing the body. The next question when I was going to ask was, if you are racing every week, or even maybe twice weekly um, on the Wednesday and then the Saturday or Sunday race with Imra, for example, what can we do after the race and between each race? Is it simply that we just need to allow the body to recover, stay in our zone one, stay in our zone two that we've spoken about a lot on the podcast and just allow the body to recover? Because if not, if we keep on trying to push it with hard running or even an extra session squeezed in between, that's maybe when we might have problems. Yeah, so the when you get to the racing period, you essentially take the mindset that you can't build any new skills or abilities or fitness. You know, So once you say now it's racing season, this is what I want to focus on, you should say, okay, I just want to keep a hold of the fitness I have and I might try and kind of sharpen and coordinate some little details um, that I'm where I feel I could I could improve. But what you're trying to avoid between the races is anything that's hard and extensive. And a good example would be don't go and do 20 by 400 on the track in a in a week where there's also a race. 
you know I, you could you could come up with a few exceptions to this rule uh, but for the general person if you're going to do a hard session to keep sharp because let's say you only have one race that weekend you would do basically a toned down versions of sessions you're already familiar with you know so for instance you might go out and do six by four um, right it's just a little nudge to the body to say we're still here keep sharp we feel good feel confident um, but you're not trying to exhaust the body you keep that for the race day um, another example of that which is the, most people are not familiar with but I, I think it's a great example um, of how these kind of race period workouts can be different is what Arthur Lee did called wind sprints and they're called wind sprints because they make you winded and uh, the idea with them is that you basically run um, one or two miles where you alternate either 50 meters or 100 meters it depends a bit on the athlete of very hard with just float you know so just easy jog put take the foot foot off the gas pedal and that is a very strange workout because it feels quite intense and your legs get quite heavy very quickly but the session is over usually in about 10 12 minutes uh, so he he used that type of workout and you don't have to do exactly this he used that as an example of a workout that people could do in the racing season if they wanted to maintain what you know what's called the anaerobic capacity but it's this ability you know to tolerate oxygen debt and, and high intensity uh, without tiring the whole body right and he used this example of the 20 by 4 he says if you go and do 20 by 4 you're going to be really tired it might take your nervous system three days to recover right and that that's a big gamble if you keep adding in little sessions like that and um, as you're also doing one or two races per season uh, sorry per season per week um, and that that kind of gives away the other thing that you need to look after which is your aerobic base because that's still everything you know all of the running rests on that and the moment you start racing regularly you're taking money out of that account and that means the the more aerobic so very easy running generally zone one not zone two once you get to the racing season because you just want to keep it easy yeah. the more of that you can keep as warm-ups and cool downs kind of a, a toned down but still a longish run maybe on the sunday um the just filler on the days where there's nothing else the more of that you can keep the longer your aerobic bank account will last you whereas if you're so beat up let's say because you do a race and then you do a hard session that your volume drops let's say to 50 percent of what you used to do then you're going to see your race performances fall off much quicker you know so instead of lasting maybe instead of having two months of good racing where you're roughly at the same level you might only have four or five weeks and then you become noticeably worse you know and it's not just in the race what you tend to notice as this aerobic base goes away is that you feel you recover less and less quickly after each race yeah you know um, that's a problem in itself especially if you're trying to do the usual imra do a wednesday and then a sunday or saturday run uh, and i might just throw into the debate as well Renny, about say our more competitive listeners or even those listeners who have a big target in mind in say early september late september Kerryway ultra the weekend of the third and the fourth eco trail for example at the end of september that to do a couple of races now in July and August is actually fantastic training as well. Now, they don't necessarily need to be going 100% in these, in these races, but to do one or two races a month, one or two races in July, one or two races in August is ideal preparation for that bigger target or that big one race where you want to perform really well 
in September. Yeah, you know, there's there's always been two schools of thought among coaches. There's been some coaches um, who felt you should never do this thing of, uh, what would you say, tr- running a race as training. Because, you know, you probably heard these arguments on. They felt that it teaches you to have a ready-made excuse um, and it can become a habit. You know, I, I can see their point. I can really see it. But I think it's simplistic. Um, I think if you are disciplined and if you are willing to take pain when it's really important to you, and I think a lot of us are, uh, then it's it's definitely very useful to do controlled races because you can still learn so much in a race, even if you are, say, you know, I'll just train through this. I won't back off so much the days before or the day after. Um, so I mightn't perform, you know, at, at my very best. I don't care. I just want to be there at the start line. I want to see the feel, the buzz. Uh, maybe you want to try out something new, you know, maybe a, a new race pack, a new type of strategy. You know, you want to try maybe and go out harder than you did previously. Whatever it is, you know, it could be many things. And you can only learn that in a race setting, you know, no matter how well you set up your training. It's never going to be quite a substitute for that, and yeah. and you don't want that experience to be your you say your A race, you know the, the most important one. Yeah, I remember the the famous Ukrainian cross country runner Renny. I think his name was Sergi Lebed. And he won the European Cross Country Championships on eight or nine occasions. But you would never see him before the actual championship race. He would just train all winter long. And then he'd come to the race day. And on, on nine occasions, he blew the rest of Europe away. So, I mean, it is an alternative strategy not to race anything in July and August and just keep your powder dry and then come Kerry Wai Ultra or come Eco Trail at the end of September, you're just raring to go. You're like an animal caged up. Another point maybe, Rennie, just worth mentioning as well is, of course, all the external factors around the racing season as well. Things like keeping stress levels down as well, because when we're looking to have a, a peak performance, isn't it so important that we're getting our sleep right? We're getting our seven or eight hours. If at all possible, stress levels in work and family life are under control as well. Because as we've spoken about before, a couple of times on the show, um, that if we're stressed out, that does have a terrible impact on race performance. Yeah, I think we've... I certainly had this experience personally, Owen. I don't know about you, but I used to be an overly agitated racer uh, in my early days. Um, and I know many clients who feel the same. Um, and it's if you are generally, they, they say actually, if you are this kind of type A personality who gets a little bit more riled up or excited, you could say, about things, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the more laid back types. Uh, you need to learn to control that because the higher your stress level is overall in your life, the more ramped up you already are. And if you then go to the start line and you suffer from a bit of pre-race anxiety, which is often, it, 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 you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze people because there's so many reasons you can take too much. You can be too eager to prove yourself at the start line. Um, you can have too high expectations of yourself relative to your actual abilities, you know, so you're not being realistic. Um, you can have too many self-doubts, um, you know, so even though you have the ability, whatever it is, there's, there would be different strategies for sorting all of that out. Um, I've personally just over the years learned to, to have a more of a relaxed attitude. You know, I think once you race more, you get a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, you don't hang your hat 
only on one performance um you know you kind of see everything in a broader context that's very helpful it was for me anyway because it means when i go to the start line even if i'm not in shape um i'm not i don't feel it's any great loss to myself uh, but say my sense of self-esteem if the race doesn't pan out the way i want you know whereas the younger me for instance would have been more sensitive you know would so would have had more agitation at the start line so if you're any if you're anyway like that for whatever reason it is um you know definitely watch that you try and relax during the day um and if you are agitated because you have a bad day at work maybe you need to learn some kind of circuit breaker techniques you know like breathing maybe in the car before the race start or maybe you need to adopt a warm-up habit that takes you away from the stress of the start line you know it is I'm, I'm only speaking to people here who have it like this because i know some people are really relaxed at the start line and for, and for them this is not relevant but it could be for instance if you find the whole pre-race chatter really just adds to your anxiety and i know people where this is the case but go cool go warm up on your own you know just politely make your excuses Go jog real nicely, get your body under control, and then focus on the process. That is, That works for nearly every type of pre-race anxiety, no matter where it comes from. Just focus on the next steps. You know, try and remove any thought of what it is you're trying to do in terms of position and time, who you want to beat, who you don't want to be beaten by, you know, if you take things that seriously. Um, and of course, if you are a high performer, you probably do. So in those cases, you know, I think that's if you can just focus in on what am I going to do right now, you know, trust that the training you did was fine, focus on getting the first kilometer right. And then once you're into the race, usually things are fine. It's it's all that overthinking or too much going on in the hour leading up to the race. I think that often leads to people being way too ramped up. And that means your heart rate's high, your cortisol is high. And you're burning sugar already well before the, the whistle or the gun goes. And then obviously quite often you go off too fast on the top of that and then you just crash early and it's a terrible race. So if anyone listens to this and recognizes it, you know, that 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 is actually the key for you to learn to control. It's not so much about fitness. It's first about getting this. You need to be cooler and you need to find out what triggers you um, and triggers your anxiety before races and then eliminate that. And that already will make you a much, much better racer. It's a fantastic point, Rene, and especially, I think, where we are now that maybe we're seeing people again for the first time after a couple of months or, you know, we all know what the topic of conversation is these days. And the last thing you want to be talking about before a race now is new variants or businesses still being closed or not being able to travel. So I think that's one fantastic tip from today over the next couple of weeks. You know, maybe just avoid people or avoid people that you know might be bringing negative energy or avoid people that maybe talk a little bit too much before the race. By all means, afterwards, you know, enjoy the banter and enjoy all the social experiences and the, ch and the chatter and talk about whatever's going on in your life but to get that maximum race performance yeah as you said maybe do your warm-up on your own for the next couple of weeks maybe one final thing Renee, from from my side in terms of staying sharp during race season and this was a great tip that i got from the irish international race walker rob heffernan that after one of my peak races a couple of seasons ago a trial race for the irish team an immer race it was on the Saturday and, you know, everybody gave
gave it socks, gave 100% effort for the race itself. And as we were coming down, we were chatting to Rob Heffernan on the cool down. And we started talking about our long Sunday run the following day. Like I'm sure so many people do, regardless of what they do on the Saturday, whether it's a hard race or a hard training session, they'll always do their long Sunday run. And he said, lads, why are you doing your, your two hour long Sunday run tomorrow? You've had your peak race today. Your body needs to recover from the emotional stress, the physical stress. So the worst thing you could do is go out and run for two hours, no matter how easy it is tomorrow. He said, lads, just chill and just do your midweek medium long run and you're going again next weekend because you've just done your peak race. And I thought that was wonderful advice. And in all the years I was running, Rene, it was the first time that I heard that that way of thinking after about 15 years. And it was, and he was so right. Yeah. I think we have a tendency to do even like a, a medium long run very easy as a minimum uh, for after most races. And I think this, it's because partly that was always traditional. And, and I think the tradition came from uh, the fact that we want to balance out, you know, the high intensity and restore the aerobic system. So, that can be done that way but he brings up a really good argument which is that there is a risk associated with putting more mechanical loading through the joints the next day uh for 90 minutes even and certainly for two hours right i wouldn't usually use two hours by the way i would say 90 minutes is the max after a shorter race and after a longer race we don't use long runs at all um but there, there really is no reason to do it the next day you could easily go and do something much shorter um, and then wait a day or two and be more flexible with your calendar because that's actually that brings up a good finishing point f- for understanding racing season and that is you have to be more fluid than ever with your planning day to day you see schedules for racing seasons but generally this part of the year you're actually nearly reacting day to day so you have a rough idea of what you want to do every week but you need to be super flexible because it's so unpredictable how you react to a race. You know, so you might have scheduled a little sharpener there on Tuesday after your Saturday race, you know, because sure it'll be grand. Uh, but for some reason, your legs are still really heavy and there's no bounce in them at all when you rock up to the track Tuesday. And then the right call is just to go for jog because there's no point trying to put a sharpener on legs that feel like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. and, and, and that's if you don't have that mentality, if you keep that mentality, no, 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 this it's here. We're going to do it because people who don't do it, they don't succeed. You know, that that's not the right mentality, you know, because maybe you'll be able to do it tomorrow, you know, on the Wednesday if you've nothing else on. Um, so that's 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 maybe a good final word for me anyway. Owen. Yeah, lots, lots of great tips there. Any be flexible as possible. Choose who you speak to before before you get going on race day. And most of all, of course, any to enjoy the racing as well. And unless you're trying to qualify for the Olympic Games, not to take it too seriously over the summertime as well. To get out there and enjoy. All those great trail races and all those great Emma races. Renee, thanks Emil, and we look forward to talking to you again in about two weeks' time. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Renee, he's always very, very helpful, always very, very good. You can get him on runningcoach.ie or on social media as well. Renee, thanks Emil. All right, old. You're welcome.
And that's a wrap for this week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. Something a little bit different this week. And as I said, it was great to see a couple of Irish over in Valderland as well. I counted four in total. There could have been more, but I'm sure we'll have a lot, lot more in Chamonix in just over five, six weeks' time. Uh, thank you again to all of our patrons who support the show. You can donate if you would like to on patreon.com, Trail Running Ireland podcast. Everybody, have a super week. Enjoy those trails. Enjoy the roads if you're on the roads, of course, as well. Thank you for your support of the show. Good luck with your training and racing. Get your running gear on. Let's go. Bye.